as you watch and listen, remember, this is your investment Amen. in that young man's life. Mm -hmm. And we pray that there's a hundred more. Amen. So, <laughs> Jeremiah 29, verses 11 through 14. <clears throat> it says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to a place, to the place, from which I cause you to be carried away captive. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Cody, come. Israel's history, um, and the Old Testament's very, very large. Um, at this particular time, <clears throat> Israel was in captivity due to their sins of idolatry and of uh, civil acts such as adultery among each other, uh, adultery with their God, uh, even sacrificing their children to uh, metal statues. Uh, God basically turned it over on their heads and brought them into captivity. Um, so that's the context here. Uh, this particular chapter of Jeremiah is a letter from God that Jeremiah wrote and sent to the captives who were over in Babylon. Life in Babylon was interesting because it was pretty normal, actually. However, they were away from the temple. They were away from the place that they worshipped God. And they were away from where they came from. This really discouraged them and brought them down. I'm sure all of us would be would be pretty pretty distraught if someone came to us and told us to get out of our houses and to go far, far away. You know, and a historical example of that other than this would be a when in World War II, when the Germans came and took uh, Jews, Christians, disabled people, all sorts of people, <coughs> far away from their homes. Um, but uh, this particular letter is well known by people, at least the 11th verses. So I just figured, um, you know, it doesn't get enough attention with the verses around it. And, and this is something that God used recently to really help me. Uh, and I think he can help you too. So um, one of the first things that I see kind of laid out here is just God's overwhelming protection. Uh, God really takes care of his people. 
And this letter right here is an example of that. God's people were struggling, just like we do every day. Now, back in those days, they didn't have the complete Bible like we do. Uh, he was still speaking through prophets. Uh, and this is one of the ways he did it, was he sent this word to Jeremiah to encourage those who were away from their home, away from their friends and family, uh, some who have even lost relatives. Uh, so within that context, you just see the passage in a, in a different light, uh, that God's protecting the struggle. Uh, in Isaiah, which is another prophet, uh, a really big prophet, he, um, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2, uh, kind of really cements that promise that God's not going to allow you to fall when you trust in Him. Like, sure, you may slip, you may allow things to come into your path, but He's there to hold you. Uh, Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 and 2 say, But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. Nor shall the flames scorch you. Now this letter was to Israel as a whole. Um, however, it's really easy to put it into context of our lives personally, because the same God who was protecting Israel, the same God who was faithful to Israel and who carried them, is the same God that's faithful to us and is carrying us today. The audience may have changed, but the God who's giving that character does not change one day. Amen. Um, but in, in this Isaiah verse, um, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Um, now, in, in this context, they were taken away. They were estranged. And um, God redeemed them. Um, I believe Isaiah was around the time of captivity. But anyways, um, the point is that God is saving them from fear. Um, now, bring that in today's context after the cross. Not only has he redeemed us from fear, but he redeemed us from the very penalty of sin. Amen. Uh, we, we deserve death. We deserve condemnation. We deserve <clears throat> eternal punishment for essentially spitting in the face of God. Um, but for some reason, he chose to redeem us. But another thing that stands out really in that Isaiah verse is, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. God knows you, you personally. Before the creations of the world, he knew your name. He knew that you were gonna live, that you were gonna exist, and he's got stuff for you to do. Um, you're his, you are his. Um, I, I looked into um, the fatherhood of God, God as a father in that role, uh, and what we have as children as we're saved. Um, and, and one of the one of the amazing things, one of the most priceless gifts of salvation, sure, you have heaven later, but you have the Holy Spirit now. You have God inside of you. You are his. And that spirit within you, that spirit within you is that stink. 
that approval that you are his. No one can take you away from God. Satan can try things on your mind, on your heart, but he can't touch your soul because God already took it. Um, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Now, back then, the presence of God was in the temple, so this specific instance, in Isaiah at least, uh, that's very big. God promised to be with them. Uh, and that, and that same thing carries. Even though they weren't with the te in the temple, God was with them. God saw them and God was taking care of them. Uh, now, today, God is with you in the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's with you in the bad times. He's with you in the good times. He is there when you mess up, but he's also there to catch you when you mess up. <coughs> When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Sin has consequences, and a lot of times, by God's mercy, we don't see the full weight of those consequences. Number one, we don't get the penalty of hell from those consequences because we're saved. But sometimes God gives us a lot of mercy in how stuff pans out. Um, you won't be burned by the fire and you won't drown in the water because God's holding you up. Um, verse 11, the one that everyone knows, God's purposeful in the struggle. Um, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That Isaiah verse talks about how God, we are God's personally. God calls us by our name. That right there, God's thinking about us individually. Um, wow. It really blows you away when you think about it. Um, there are about 7.6 billion people in the world. I'm not sure how many Christians there are, but it's in the billions, I know. Among those millions and millions of people, God thinks about you specifically. All the time, every day. Um, God thought about you even before you were born. Psalm 139 16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed before birth, and in your book they were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. God knew every single step you would walk before you even set foot on the surf. He's got plans for you. Plans of peace, not of evil. You see, when, when Jesus promises to give us life, he doesn't say it's going to be easy. In fact, he says it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to follow him. We're going to face persecution. We're going to be laughed at, mocked at, even killed. Uh, it's not easy. But God gives us peace, abundant life, fullness. When things get hard, we can have peace knowing that God's in control, that he's going to take us from it, and that he's going to get all the glory throughout it from the end. Um, he gives us a future and he gives us hope. Lamentations chapter 3, 
verse 24, which is actually right after Jeremiah, and some believe to be written by Jeremiah himself. Um, Lamentations 3.24 says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. My mind and my heart my soul is saying that. When we get saved, we get a new spirit. We aren't living in our old deadness of sin. We receive the spirit of adoption. We receive the Holy Spirit that satisfies us to our very soul. Uh, even if our heart and our mind are jumbled, uh, our soul can be satisfied. What is my portion that says my soul? Therefore I hope in him. Because I have the Holy Spirit. Because he's within me. Because he's with me. I can have hope. Not in my circumstances. Not in how they're going to pan out. But in the God who's in control of all of it. God's with you. When you're going through hard times. Verses 12 through 14. Then you will call upon me. And go and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me. And find me. When you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. There's a lot in those three verses, but right, right away in verse 12, when you call upon me and go and pray to me, I will listen to you. He's always there to listen to you. In your deepest hurts, in your deepest struggles, even when you don't even know what to say, he's got a lesson to you and he understands exactly what you're saying. Exactly what you're feeling. He knows the thoughts that he think towards you and he knows your thoughts. He knows your hurts, he knows your pains. And he's there to help you, help you and comfort you. To be a listener here when there's no one to listen. When you seek him, you're going to find him. But you have to do it with devotion. You have to want to find the Lord. Um, oftentimes, people get in a bad situation, um, sometimes when they're not even saved, and they just pray, God, wherever you are, help me in this struggle. And then after it's over, they don't go to God for anything. Um, we should seek him with our whole heart our entire heart. Not, oh, only when I need him. No, we need to seek him when our heart is sad, when our heart is joyful. We need to seek him always everything that we have. And he will bring us back from our captivity. Now, in this context, it was literal captivity. They were taken away from where they were and put in a new place they didn't know what to do. Like, oftentimes, our mind and our heart, and even our body, is captive. Um, when we get saved, our soul gets renewed, our soul gets restored, but our body doesn't. That happens later. So in a way, our soul is kind of captive to living in this old flesh, <coughs> with this old sin nature that still haunts us every now and again. 
God promises to take us from that. God promises to help us during this captivity. Um, we have the promise of heaven, yes, but we have the promise of help now. God's presence will struggle in many ways. Um, in prayer, like I said, whenever you need him, God is there for you. Uh, a verse from Pastor Steve's favorite book here. James chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally, without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. When you ask God for help, he's going to give you way more help than you thought you even needed. Uh, oftentimes, we don't really understand ourselves what we're going through, but God does, and he gives, he gives us wisdom. He gives us more grace to be able to handle the stuff that we don't even understand. He gives without reproach. Uh, but we have to do our part. We have to ask in faith. No doubt. <coughs> I remember last summer at camp, uh, one of the speakers was talking about prayer. He said, pray bold. Pray bold prayers. Um, when you ask God, pray to him expecting that he's going to do something. He's promised in his word that he's going to act if we give it all to him. He may not act the way we want him to, but he's going to do something. So when you pray, ask God boldly to help and expect him to help you, even if it's in ways that you don't think he could help. In, in ourselves, though, we have to be devoted to promises that God's put forth. Whatever we're going through, we can't just ask for help and then continue to be sad about it, sad about it and fall over it. We have to fully surrender whatever we're going through. Um, sometimes when you have a hard situation, um, maybe you have a family discrepancy Maybe stuff isn't working out financially. Um, maybe it's hard to even get your basic needs. Um, you have to fully surrender it to him. You have to say, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to pan out, how this is going to be taken care of, but I'm stepping back. I'm shaking my hands off of it. You take it. You deal with it, because I can't. When you, when you seek him in surrender, you will absolutely find him. You won't just find him sitting there, though. You'll find him waiting with open arms to hold you. Think in Luke, in the New Testament, the prodigal son. That just comes instantly, instantly to my mind. When we run back to the Father, he runs to us with open arms, ready to hold us and comfort us, even when we ourselves don't feel worth it. God sees us as worth it.
Now, verse 14. Again, like the rest of the passage, it's not so well known, but God issues a promise here. There are many promises in especially the Old Testament. Because like I said, the same God who was helping the Israelites hasn't changed. He helps you today. I encourage you guys to look into the Old Testament find out some of those promises. It's really helped me and helped you too. But he says, I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. Four times in that verse alone, I will. And when God says he's going to do something, he does it. He doesn't change his mind. He will help you. He will be there for you. And he will welcome you with no condemnation, no judgment. Sure, you may have messed up. You may have thought that what you did or what you're doing um, just disqualifies you. It doesn't. Because... God gives his love without restraint. He is love. He gives all of himself to you to comfort you because he thinks that you're worth it. Oftentimes we have to check ourselves and see if we're having a God perspective on things. We have to, you know, in the word, it promises a lot of times, it tells us God values us. God values us. He cares for us. We have to internalize that and actually believe it. We have to bring it from the head to the heart. There are a lot of promises in the Bible that God lays out. Uh, and I just have three here that I'd like to share with you. The first one is the Holy Spirit. God himself. Um, John 14, 26. Jesus promises in person those that are there and to the generations to come. He says this. He says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Um, he'll teach you the Holy Spirit will teach you. You have to be willing to listen to his teaching and be obedient to what he tells you to do. In the book of Jonah, though this isn't the Holy Spirit, uh, God himself tells Jonah to go. And Jonah doesn't. He goes the other way. Um, he, he wasn't willing to be obedient. Now, he eventually did, but he experienced a lot of pain. It's a lot easier to submit to God first when things aren't as bad than to submit to God when everything comes crashing down. But the Holy Spirit will teach you what to do and he'll bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. That's Jesus talking. Jesus said a lot to his disciples and he quoted the Old Testament a lot, actually. So you can kind of bring that into it too. But the whole Bible is promised to us, which is my next point, but the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance 
things that God has said to you. But how can you remember something if you never learned it in the first place? Um, so often we just read the Bible and we, we don't go deep with that. Um, and one of the things that I'm working on and that actually everyone in our camp will be working on is verse memorization. You guys have heard Steve talk about his verse memorization in his younger years when he may not have been able to recall it instantly, but he made that effort to drill into his head at least for a while. And even though he can't recall it on the dot, God brings it up when he needs it. It's like a file cabinet in Steve's mind. That even if he can't navigate the files, the Holy Spirit knows exactly which file to pull at what time. Amen. He knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and His timing is perfect. Kind of off of that, though, but also kind of on God's perfect timing, some situations seem like they're never going to end. Some drag on for weeks, months, even years. But God's timing is perfect. He has you going through it for a certain reason. Whether it be to grow your faith, as it says in James, or to teach you a lesson, because God does that too. Uh, sometimes it takes something big for us to realize who God is and who we're not. But God has a purpose for every single thing you go through, and the length of time of that situation doesn't matter when you are holding on to God throughout it. And um, my friend Andre said, he made the point that um, the longer you're going through something, the more you struggle with something, the more grateful you are to God when he pulls you out of it. Um, the deeper the hole that you dig yourself, the more God reaches in to pull you out. Think about that for a bit. And, and like I said, we don't deserve to be pulled out of that hole. We deserve, to, we deserve to have the sand put on top of us. We deserve death. But God, God has other plans. God says, sure, they deserve death, but I want to give them life because I love them. I love them enough to send my son to die for them. God gives us the Bible, Psalm 119, 50. Uh, this is my comfort in my affliction, for your word has given me life. One of the biggest comforts when you're going through something bad is get in the word, to read it. Don't put it off. Don't be lazy, especially when you're going through hard times. Because like this chapter and many other things in the Bible, God will speak through his word. Hebrews says that the word is alive and active. Piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. God's word get down, gets down deep. And when you're in deep trouble, the word goes deep to help you with it. I encourage you guys, even though it's the longest chapter in the Bible, to read Psalm 119 because it will really give you a new perspective on what the Bible actually does for us and what God intends.
intended it for us to do. Um, but I know it's been a huge comfort to me. It can be a comfort to you too, as long as you're willing to read it. Um, and then the promise straight in verse 14. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you. I will bring you to the place from which I caused you to be carried away captive. God is working even when you don't think he is. If there are other people involved, he may be working in their hearts. If there's, you know, a financial situation, he's working all those numbers out. He's working in ways that we don't see. We have to trust that he's working. We have to know that he's working. And, and know that he's working at all for our good and for his glory. Like I already said, what I kind of want to bring in as I sort of finish up is that God has a plan and a purpose for whatever situation you may be going through. Even though it's hard, keep the focus on Christ. <clears throat> I'm trying to rack my brain for a verse. It's not coaching. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, with prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known unto God. Amen. Philippians 4 16, I believe. In everything, pray to God. Go to Him first. He provides people in your life that you can go to, and yes, they are a comfort, but go to God first. Sometimes when you pray, he works it out. Because sometimes it's not even a circumstantial issue as much as it is you're struggling with it because you haven't surrendered it. If you surrender it to God, sometimes that takes care of it. So go to God. Look to him when you're going through hard times. Read his word. Take in his promises. And know that he's there to help you. Um, one of the only verses that I memorized last summer that I actually drilled with Cameron for like two nights in a row. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, or chapter 3, sorry. Philippians chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. Paul says, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The situation, you can put it behind you. Past situations that you've been struggling with mentally or in your heart, you can put those behind you. God already settled those. You don't have to go back to them. The Bible says that God separates our sin as far as the east is from the west. So far God, he never sees it again. Why should we try to see it? Forget what lies behind and strain forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead is redemption and renewal through Jesus. He is the only source of it, so you have to look to him to get it. No matter how long the tunnel is, there's always a light at the end. And 
You just have to keep going forward, even if you can't see. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and light unto my path. In the dark tunnel, God shows us what to do, and he uses his word to illuminate it to our heart and to what we should take action to do. Just something I want to leave you guys off with is um, God's word is extremely encouraging. I've said that a lot, but I can't say that enough. And some passages that I direct you guys to, if you're struggling with something, no matter what it is, um, Psalm chapter 102 and 103, kind of read them together, because Psalm 102 is this intense outcry of pain from the psalmist going through an extremely hard time, begging God to help him. And in, sprinkled out, though, throughout that, are bits of praise. And then Psalm 103 is just this beautiful praise of God. For God working that situation and taking him out of it. Psalm 102 and 103. And then uh, Isaiah chapters 40 to 44. It's a bit lengthy, but you'll find amazing promises in those verses. In fact, I pulled one of those verses from that uh, section, but there's redemption. There is cleansing. There's forgiveness. And um, know that God values you way more than you may value yourself. He values you way more than others can value you. He values you so much that he even gave up part of himself and continually, continually, pours into you specifically to help you through whatever you're doing. <coughs> if you guys would bow your heads, I'm going to pray. And then uh, hand it over back to Steve. Dear Lord, I just thank you so much for, for your word, for the promises in it, for the privilege of prayer that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. That we don't have to be ashamed of what we've done because you've already taken care of it. We thank you for that. We thank you for your care in our everyday lives and the fact that you take yourself and give it to us who are so undeserving, so unworthy, and yet you love us still. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share your message. Lord, I ask that wherever this lands with uh, whoever hears it, be it in this building or uh, through Facebook, Lord, that you would just do a work in their heart and help them to see that you're with them. Lord, for all those who may not have the promise of you, who may be stumbling around in their sin, unsaved, not knowing where to go, Lord, help them to see you not as a hammer of judgment, but as a loving father with arms open and wide, ready to forgive them, cleanse them, and build them up. Lord, I just ask that you would uh, work in hearts and minds and help us to really focus on you. In Jesus' name, amen.
verse to you just in closing to, to add on to what he said. It says in Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, it says this. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That verse says this. Salvation is the most precious thing there is in the world. And it is worth all that we have. Both for redemption from sin and the promise of heaven, God now, eternity with him. But also for this life, as Christians, sometimes we treat God's things like they're just sort of there, but we don't access them. Listen, the word of God and the spirit of God, there's nothing in this world that is more valuable than those. Not everybody has them. If you know the Lord is your savior, you have both of those. Live like you're attached to that treasure. If you're here and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never asked, recognized that you were lost, asked Jesus to save you from your sins, and put your faith and trust in what he did on the cross, his finished work, you can take care of that today. Just during the, the song we're going to sing, come front, and then we'll get to sit down with you and go through scripture and uh, lead you to the one who is more valuable than anything else. Let's stand as we sing. You know these words you don't even want the screen. Let's just sing, I have decided to follow Jesus, okay?